Welcome to the Word and Journey podcast, stories that shape us and make us think, and that we look forward to hearing year after year as part of our tradition, traditions that become part of our lives, that create our own stories, our own experiences, that in turn become part of our tradition. Uh, This year I've been thinking a lot about why tradition matters, why we need tradition, uh, why we need to have something to look forward to, something predictable, something to rely upon. And I'm really struck by the power of tradition to shape us. And, you know, there's a very classic uh, literary reference in in Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Tevye. He, when talking about why he loves tradition, why his people do, do, do tradition, he says, you know, we have our traditions. Everyone knows their place and what is expected of them or something like that. And... It's a really true thing that I have been starting to see in my own life and in the lives of others around us. When we have tradition, we know how to be. We know who we are. We know who our people are. We know what life is supposed to look like. We know we know what to expect. And there is a stability and a certainty to who we are and how life should be. In the absence of that, there's freedom. There's exploration. There's a lot of possibility for, for new things and innovation and creativity. Good things but taken to their extreme or done without tradition, there can be a chaoticness to that. And in light of that, I'm coming to appreciate more the value of having the tradition. I'm a creative. I always will be be a creative. And I love to explore and to see new things and to try new things out. And I love to see where things can go and how things can can develop. But I need that stability of knowing my people, knowing my place, knowing my story knowing the stories that have shaped me, knowing my, my history, my lineage, my legacy. And I'm discovering that that might not be just unique to me. That might be you as well or people that you know. And tradition, it's, it's an important thing. It shapes us and helps us know how to think, how to feel, how to be. So then for this nativity season, I, I opted to collect some traditions. I In this episode, I gathered uh some friends to talk about stories stories that we've loved stories that we've lived stories that have marked the holidays for us in in some way uh and these stories range from the very silly to the very personal to the very profound and and you'll get to hear a lot of different uh a lot of different experiences of of christmas of nativity of holiday of winter of snow and it's a really delightful, really fun, lighthearted collection with a few, I think, fairly fairly poignant moments. Um, in this collection, you'll get to hear some familiar voices and some some new and hear some new voices. Uh, you'll get to hear from uh, Jake Schwartz, who you might remember from the episodes in the Word and Journey on the Great Divorce, and then on 1984. You'll hear from Stephanie Bennett, also from the 1984 series. You'll hear from uh, Jeremy Pisimio uh, from the Fight Club series, from uh, Matt Renzi, who did episodes with me on the Wheel of Time, uh, from Joel Summer, uh, from the upcoming series on A Picture of Dorian Gray, and from uh, Justin Nichols, uh, also from the the upcoming series on The Passage, uh, as well as from Russo Browser, who uh, you might have heard back on a in-depth episode on The Pilgrim's Progress, and he's got a new book coming out that we'll be talking about as well. But we're going to share some stories and some memories and how these have shaped us in some way.
Welcome back to the show, Rousseau. Uh, always good to see you. And happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Thank you so much. Back yeah. to you in double portion. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I have been compiling this collection of uh, favorite stories from people who have been on the show a little bit. So here's where you get to talk about uh, a favorite story, whether it's a book or a song or a, a movie uh, related to nativity, the, the holidays. And, uh, and then I want to hear about your, your other book, too, because we keep meeting under these circumstances. You write a book and I say, Russo, come on the podcast. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, treat to get to join me on the Word and Journey podcast. It's the only podcast that I listen to on a regular basis that I've ever been a part of. So that makes okay. it super fun. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. I'd love to hear from you two in no particular order. What are one or two of your favorite, all-time favorite stories related to holidays? Jake, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, uh, I was kind of thinking on this because I um, I go through periods where I'm like I, I like love holiday stories and stuff and then other times where I'm just kind of mad uh, but one that has always stuck with me um, and it's total childhood nostalgia mm -hmm. stuff for me right um, it was the toy that saved Christmas from Veggie Tales. oh that's that's my son's like one of his favorite it's so so good i mean it is. there's there's laughs there's cries it's a it's like told as a bedtime story mm -hmm. there's drama and action <laughs> there's buzz saws yeah like have you oh, not seen this reese you haven't seen this reese? i confess i have not seen this you are I dropped, missing i know i dropped out of the vegetal scene oh, okay oh you were in for a treat okay. yes so good it's so good yes okay um but it's like uh you know this this pretty standard christmas nativity ish sort of story like what is the true meaning of tr christmas uh, is more of like what it is and it opens with this you know toy manufacturer sort of like the villain of our story right and um he is trying to get more money of course because you know we want to get more more and more things at christmas right and there's this there's this new commercial for the toy buzzsaw louis which like wild absolutely wild <laughs> it's just a doll with a butt working buzzsaw in its hand and i kind of really want one i just got a 3d printer and now i'm kind of trying to figure out can i make this put it up on a really high shelf so that like no kids visiting my house actually get it because yes the buzzsaw really will be working and so anyways and so like there's this this new christmas ad very very like 80s 90s sort of <laughs> thing where it's like you know it's the new toy and you need to tell your parents to buy you this toy because um, the true meaning of Christmas is having more stuff. And mm -hmm. also, Billy has more toys than you. And it opens <laughs> into this, like, chaotic scene where kids are, like, running around and, like, slamming into the living room with their parents. Like, Billy has more toys than me. Who's Billy? I don't know, but he has more toys than me. Um, and it's this chaotic scene. And then uh, we get transitioned into a new... Um, a new scene a little bit later after one of these toys has had a change of heart and escapes because the toy is mm -hmm. sentient maybe maybe not it's a little bit of veggie tales toy story crossover so we see bob the tomato larry the cucumber and junior the asparagus um all going sledding down this hill and then they like trip make a wrong turn um they get thrown over the toboggan because they almost go like over over a cliff and we get one of the best lines of all times which is mousetrap i wanted to play mousetrap you roll your dice, <laughs> yeah. you move your mice, nobody gets hurt. 
like that that whole like curmudgeonly sort of just oh my gosh why are we doing this can i please stay at home and drink my coffee or tea mm -hmm. or hot cocoa may or may not have some extra stuff in there um i i feel that i really do feel that um and so and so they end up going on this adventure and they you know they um, break into the toy factory to try and stop the toys from going out, uh, all this whole, whole sort of thing. Um, but then like, there's this, this change of heart story. Cause like all the parents are ticked and they're all running up. Cause they like, uh, I forget what his name is in the, in this particular one. I just know him as Nebuchadnezzar from, <laughs> um, Sh Rack Shack and Benny. Oh, the big um, pickle. Yeah. The big pickle. The yeah. big pickle. And, and there's Mr. Lunt there as well. And he like ties him up as a hostage and threatens to go or like send them to Bubblyville, but the bridge is out, meaning like mm -hmm. they're going to go over that cliff. Um, and so the parents see this and they like break in and it's like, it's, you know, it's 30 minutes. So there's not a whole lot of time for really true plot development, right? Mr. Oh, it's Mr. Nezer. That's what it was. Mr. Nezer, we have a, uh, we have something for you. And then like the kids give him a gift of a teddy bear. And it's like mm -hmm. what he always wanted. And then there's this, you know, it transitions into this, the story of like, it's better to give than to receive that sort of stuff. And it was, and then they also um, tell the story of the nativity about how Christ came uh, for mm -hmm. us, which was really, really uh it's it's sweet it's it's great it's total nostalgia baiting for me oh, yeah. and i love it i might like rewatch it on christmas day mm -hmm. we'll see that does seem interesting I, I mean i have mixed feelings about a lot of the veggie tale stuff especially i mean I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of critiques for the their, their bible stories but this this particular story it does seem to really get at some of these mm -hmm. like deep themes of like materialism and mm -hmm. consumerism oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which and the silly song in this particular one is also very good it is it okay. is yes let the young listener be wise and attend to this uh, this <laughs> relic from our childhood. Uh, yes. Yeah, I guess there would be this pocket of people who are too young to have grown up with them, but too old to have their parents nostalgically share them with them. So they just miss out. Well, Sorry, it's a travesty. You, you, have, you have the our generation, right? Who's got like these... Uh these movie ones but now they have them on netflix like a whole new version of them so it's that you're not getting the original anymore it's true yeah you're and getting I, a I whole different that, thing i don't think phil fisher is running it anymore either no i think he was on it for like a short time and then he's not with it anymore yeah. um side note he has a wonderful podcast he it's does really i've he heard really that podcast it's mm -hmm. entertaining because I that's guess great. that's the natural progression for people is we <laughs> <laughs> develop opinions and then we then we podcast about it. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then in my case, we also try to hit the YouTube, and it's stressful, but hopefully cool. <laughs> I'm ex I'm personally excited, but I also know that I don't have to edit this one, so I get it. Like, right. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I show up. I actually like. I didn't even have to bother doing my hair too much today. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing, Jake. Joel, I would love to probe into your personal legendarium. Uh, what for you have been some favorite holiday themes, stories, characters, uh, in, in any sense? Well, just as a warm up, I think uh, in the movie tradition, I often, right after Thanksgiving, always watch um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer with uh, you know the the claymation style uh, stop frame animation and um, 
I'm a big fan of Hermie, the uh, the dentist uh, character, um, is is a huge one for me. Uh, it's also parodied in the beginning of the Christmas movie Elf. Uh, they kind of uh, do the first part of the movie Elf is kind of like an homage to that. Um, plus the original it has music by Burl Ives, if you know that like classic oh, singer, and he's like the voice of the narrator, and he just has that deep kind of good narration voice and then like all the jokes are just like i don't know if the movie came out in the 60s or early 60s or something but it's just like super funny writing and like pretty mm -hmm. creative and i mean yukon cornelius i don't know if you know uh, if you guys know what i'm talking about it's like a prospector he's just like i think one of my favorite movies from the line he's like they're on a piece of uh i guess like ice floating in the ocean and he's like this and the elf's like, this fog is thick as pea soup. And he goes, don't you mean peanut butter? And he's like, you eat what you like, and I'll eat what I like. <laughs> that's probably my favorite line. From the movie. Uh, that's super cute. I grew up watching that along with Peanuts, uh, the Christmas, uh, Peanuts Christmas movie. Those are both super special to me. Uh, um, for probably like four or five years, I don't know, this is probably about like, you know, 10 years ago, my, me and a good friend and his wife, they would always invite me over the day after usually Thanksgiving and they have a basement with like a fireplace and they're like, be prepared. We're going to roast you out. And they like get their basement so hot. that It's like sweating hot. And, uh, you know, we'll have like a, have a drink and, um, have popcorn and like basically just be uncomfortably hot and watch uh, Rudolph. So that, that's, that's a good memory for me. Um, and it's usually they usually make a uh, a like a pina colada. It's usually some sort of like foofy sort of tropical drink. Um, it's like a yeah, I guess like a December in Hawaii <laughs> with a fireplace. I don't know, but it, it has a certain mix of Northwest with I guess tropical vibes. <laughs> Outside of Home Alone 1 and 2, which in my mind can never be touched, they're like classics. Um, so The Family Stone was made in 05, it has a stellar cast. Uh, I really, really like the way they, they bring uh, these people together. They, they seem so familiar with each other. Um, even if they haven't seen each other in a while, they seem so close and they know things about each other's lives and past and everything. And I really like just the essence of family in The Family Stone and I, I like how um, how the actors do a, a terrific job of representing that closeness and representing even the weird stuff. You know, every every family has its dysfunctions and every family has its little, you know, roles they play and, and whatnot in the family. And you kind of see that play out. So it's really, really fun. Uh, <clears throat> so I like the family stone a lot. It's very, actually, I mean, it has silly moments. Um, there's sh sh some shenanigans and it also has some deep and, and, meaningful moments too very very tender moments uh kind of kind of surprising near near the end there so very 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 good movie um and story the whole story i, I really like the family stone a lot uh and the second one is klaus uh actually surprised me how much i liked this movie it was just it was even better than i thought it'd be i think it came out in 2021 i want to say maybe 20 and it's an animated film i think it's on released on netflix and it shows how a community can come together um despite past uh tensions past wars and even in and, and even ways that you 
You don't want to judge someone by outer appearance. You don't, don't, don't judge a book by its cover, that sort of thing, uh, and how folks can work together and bring about a common good uh, when they have a common goal in mind. So it's really, really good. Um, I really like the, the story arc of Klaus and just everything that they, they that he goes through. And yeah, it's just, it's just really fantastic movie. So those two stories come to mind, Family Stone and, and Klaus. So I highly recommend both those. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy them. Not, so this isn't a true connection. So you mentioned Bro Lives, who did not uh, score the movie White Christmas. That was Irving Berlin, I think. Oh gosh, yeah, I believe Happy. it was Irving Berlin. Okay, cool. So, uh, so that 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 that's one of the the Christmas stories. I'll, I'll volunteer for 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 this this segment. Um, it's the the movie White Christmas with um, Dean Crosby, Danny Kaye, and. Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and and some others, and so this is both like a story that that's kind of cool, also a family memory. It's it's become like within my family unit, part part of our family lore that it's it's the movie we watch every year, and as early as the day after Thanksgiving or like the evening of Thanksgiving when we start bringing out the Christmas decorations, because we 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 properly properly wait until after Thanksgiving to decorate and bring out the Christmas music. Because that is when the Christmas season officially starts. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I suppose unless you're Orthodox and you've been starting the Nativity Fast, which I think starts before Thanksgiving. So, so they 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 have an excuse because they're in in fasting season already. Uh, but anyway, so but but White Christmas. It's this older film, and it's about it follows the story of two guys who they they become they're they're with their war buddies from one of the world wars and they have this general that they really love and respect. And after the war, the two war buddies, they go and they become, they get into showbiz and they become famous and everything. And then uh, randomly they decide to go do a show up in Vermont and they're excited for the snow, but there's no snow. What's going on with the no snow? And they end up at this inn uh, that's run by the old general who's now an innkeeper. I guess he's in financial straits or down on his luck or something kind of wanting to go back to the army and they won't have him because he's too old. And so they decide to put on the show at his, at his, at his end to kind of do a tribute to him and be really special. And, and so that's cool. But along the way, then there's relationship drama and interpersonal conflict. And there's some really, really wonderful dance scenes because it's a musical because back in the day, people did really excellent musicals. It's laden with highly quotable moments, which anyway, for, for me and my family and our personality have become kind of part of our internal jargon. I think looking back on it, I don't know. I'm not completely sure I would, if, if I had never heard of the movie, I'm not completely sure I would like pick that up now because it's a little bit out of my generally preferred genre. But since I have grown up with it, it's just, it's really special and nostalgic and appreciate it and having seen it. I've, I've seen that movie more than I've seen National Treasure. So uh, <laughs> I've gotten a chance to really get familiar with the nuances of it. And yeah, I think it's good. It'd be worth it'd be worth a, it'd be worth a watch. Very this one is very kid friendly and was one of the movies that always made me want to be a dancer because their dance scenes were amazing. I think they actually have White Christmas on uh, Netflix every season, which has uh, made it really easy to go back and rewatch it. So I know uh, my wife and I, we watch it pretty much every year. Also, um, I introduced it to her. She loved it. And like with what you're saying, like whether or not you think you'd pick it up now or not, I, 
I can't say for sure I would either because I love musicals. But I think part of the reason why I love musicals was growing up on White Christmas. So yeah. if it hadn't been for White Christmas, I don't know that I would have loved musicals as much. So I don't know if I would have picked it up. But yeah, I, uh, same. Definitely vouch for it as just a classic Christmas tale. Um, and honestly, every time I watch it, like the thing that always gets to me is just the writing and the dialogue is so much better and so much more clever than anything so sharp, that comes so out now. Like just really good, intelligent humor that's not crass or doesn't rely on innuendo or anything like that. It's so, so good for that. Um, but yeah, I will I will also have to agree with White Christmases. Classic Christmas. Very well, classic. I mean, I do like Elf also, so. <laughs> uh, and the second one is Klaus. Uh, actually surprised me how much I liked this movie. It was, just, it was even better than I thought it would be. I think it came out in 2021, I want to say, maybe 20. And it's an animated film. I think it's on, released on Netflix. And it shows how community can come together um, despite past uh, tensions, past wars, and even and, and even ways that you you don't want to judge someone by outer appearance. You don't don't judge a book by its cover, that sort of thing, uh, and how folks can work together and bring about a common good and, uh, when they have a common goal in mind. So it's really really good. Um, I really like the, the story arc of Klaus and just everything that they, they that he goes through and. Yeah, it's just, it's just really fantastic movie. So those two stories come to mind, Family Stone and, and Klaus. So I highly recommend both those. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy them. There has been raised this all-important question about other holiday stories, uh, and that is Die Hard, the Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> um, is this a Christmas movie? <laughs> What does, yes. it, what does it mean for a movie to be a Christmas movie versus Ooh, not a Christmas that's, movie? That's the bigger question. That's mm -hmm. the bigger yes. question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what is the I, ontological essence of a nativity story? Yes. <laughs> I, will, I will say I believe uh, that Bruce came out and said, uh, like the head actor, uh, said that it is not a Christmas story. Mm -hmm. However, the creator of the uh, graphics interchange format uh, like the moving pictures, I'm not like the GIF. Um, also came out and said that it's pronounced GIF, and so that <laughs> unequivocally approves that the author of whatever the thing is can be wrong about that thing mm -hmm. because it is absolutely GIF and not GIF. Fight me. <laughs> I think it's GIF, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't know if I for sure knew that, so. Because it was supposed to be a play off the off of the word peanut butter, but all yeah. that to say, I I think Bruce Willis could be wrong, uh, and I think it can absolutely be a Christmas movie. Well, I know the the director and the screenwriter both can they both say it's a Christmas movie. So, so I feel like their go. weight they have more weight than <laughs> just <Maybe>. my. <laughs> I watched this movie. Every Christmas Eve. <laughs> this I'm is so my ready for Christmas masterclass movie. On how, on how Die Hard is a well, Christmas movie. And I will say, I will say, I don't watch what I consider to be old movies. This one's, I think, 1988. I don't watch movies that are that old usually. I just don't. I like the new stuff. Um, but Jared got me to, my husband got me to watch it oh, some years ago. And every year since, I think there's been like eight years now that every Christmas Eve, this is what we do. Yeah, so it is, you have this, you John McLean, who is coming to visit his wife and, and kids for Christmas in LA. And he ends up meeting up with his wife at um, 
Nakatomi Plaza, which is where she works, and they're having a Christmas Eve party there. So he's meeting up with her at this Christmas Eve party before he, you know, because they're they're separated. So he's kind of trying to figure out, am I going to stay with my family? Do I need to go get a hotel? All of that stuff. And while he's there and they're kind of talking for the first time in months, these ter- terrorists come in and take over and everything gets shut down. And then John McClane saves the day. <laughs> but I, I, I think, you know, most, most Christmas movies, like they center around if, if you're, if you have, you, you have a strained relationship, something difficult happens to bring everybody together, remind you why you care about each other. And then you end up with a happily ever after you're back together. So it's like, your standard Hallmark movie, but with guns and blood. Well, goodness, when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that might be pushing metaphor a little far for me. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I mean, they do have other things. Like, you have the the main villain, Hans Gruber, you know, talking about, well, it's Christmas. It's a time for miracles. And, you know, uh, John McClane, he dresses up one of the terrorists with a Santa hat and writes ho, ho, ho on him and so you've got like these Christmas elements, there's Christmas music in it. But I think ultimately, like the whole franchise would not have been successful if they hadn't started with a Christmas movie. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm down for good holiday. Well, kind of. I'm, I, I think I, I prefer, I actually prefer like the older holiday <laughs> movies because I think they had like a little bit more substance. I don't know. They were, they were so creative back then. So I, I generally don't like, specifically holiday movies like like kind of like only work in the holidays mm-hmm. uh and there's just i don't know because I, I mean it's as much as i love ho- uh, holiday decorations like you can only see so many in the like christmas trees and like mm-hmm. golden sparkly orbs and candy canes and elves before it's like oh too much too much yeah well i mean if we're gonna you know you know, venture into the realm of like what about die hard uh, i mean what what makes a christmas movie a christmas movie uh is it that it is specifically like like the christmas story in the gospels or is it like christmas trees present or something or is it just like this is the movie that for me is associated with holidays there's definitely a lot of ambiguity about what makes a christmas movie because yes die hard takes place on christmas but i mean apparently bruce willis has actually been quoted as saying no it's not a christmas movie stop saying it (laughs) (laughs) but i mean if that's your personal tradition you know like uh, i feel like every everyone kind of picks up their own personal things that they like to do every holiday. Like uh, my wife and I, we've recently started cataloging. There are certain movies that we like to watch around Halloween. We're not really Halloween people, but we actually do have some Halloween movies that we like to enjoy during the season. Cause they just seem seasonally appropriate. And I feel like Die Hard kind of falls in that same category. It's not really like a Christmas movie, but it's really associated with the holiday. Cause that's when it takes place. And so I feel like people want to make that their personal tradition and make it a Christmas movie. Nothing wrong with that. I don't have strong feelings about this, but uh, I guess I'll just agree with what Jeremy said earlier. I would say that it's not a Christmas movie for me, um, but taking the uh, the postmodern out, like it could be a Christmas movie for someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How very how very deft of you. <laughs> so, what's your what's your what's your take on that? You'll be sorely disappointed in me. I've never even seen it. Oh, okay, okay. There we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> this happens all the time. I'm probably the least like movie and musically uh, 
adept person that anybody knows so i just i never get to weigh in on these things that that's fair though because we we, we need that role i mean uh you know whenever somebody whenever i'm in a group and there's like the you know the the ducks fan versus the beaver nation uh, as somebody and it's me has to step into the role of like i don't care <laughs> at all because uh, there are that's that's a legitimate role in life to have so yeah so there we go yeah uh, i'll be the enneagram nine peacemaker and say you know I can see both sides. Really. <laughs> I think there's a case to be made for both. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would lean toward Die Hard not being a Christmas story because it's not really handling themes of what the nativity is. Uh, but we could maybe rightly say it's a holiday story because it's set in the holiday and that setting is part of the part of the world of it. So maybe making that distinct. I go yes, making that distinction makes it work for me. I guess so. There, problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when someone mentions Die Hard, there's a part of me that kind of wants to like bring in Harry Potter a little bit too. And I can't remember if it's like the it's like one of the earlier ones. There's like a Christmas scene or something, or there's there's a couple couple of the stories where like some stuff happens on their like mid semester break, and there's like a, a tree in the background and somewhere in Hogwarts or whatever. And so there's a part of me that's like, well, fine, Harry Potter's a Christmas movie too because there's a Christmas scene. Which I think it's actually the I think it's the first one. Oh, okay. Um, because I mean, it's such a landmark thing for Harry because, you know, he grew up in such an abusive household that to actually experience a real Christmas was a big deal. So, you know, remembering, I think it's, you know, that it documents, you know, Hagrid cutting down like a 20 foot tree and bringing that to the Great Hall and all the magical decorations and didn't go home for the holidays. And so he just stayed at Hogwarts with Ron and played chess all winter. You know, I think that I think it was during the first one that it really highlighted the Christmas experience at Hogwarts. And then they just kind of phased it out as things got darker. <laughs> Right, and they had they had less time, and they had to do more things. That's true. Yeah. I remember, yeah, there was there was the whole gift gift exchange. Yeah. Steph, how about you? What's one of your all time favorite stories? Uh, so mine, my mom read. She always was reading books to us when we were growing up, um, and one of them was actually an Advent book. Um, so it's set up to, like, for the four Sundays before Christmas, you start reading it and you read a, a, like, a chapter of, like, five to six pages every day. Um, and so it's really cool. This one, it's called Jotham's Journey by Arnold Atreid. I'm not sure how to say his last name. I think that's it. But it's about this 10-year-old, 10-year-old boy named Jotham who gets really mad at his dad because his dad's not letting him go off to to his brothers uh he's like you're 10 you can't go and so he storms off and spends all night out in the the wilderness and this is like bible times right and so he comes back the next day and his family's gone and there's this little mound of stones with his name written on them because his family thinks he died. I know, I know. It starts very, very <laughs> majorly. I know, I know. And this is a Christmas story, I promise. So his family thinks that he died, and he's like, oh crap, I'm, I'm 10. I've got to find my family, but there's no phones or whatnot. So he goes on this huge journey trying to find his family. And like, he gets kidnapped like four different times. He's nearly sold into slavery. Like, oh man, things keep happening. But he also meets some really cool people. So like he meets 
um, this one shepherd caravan. Um, and they are really kind to him and like send him on his way with a donkey. Then he gets kidnapped, you know, and loses the donkey. <laughs> and he ends up they're, they're they're selling him, you know, to slavery. And he gets saved by a fool named Nathan, who turns out he's not really a fool. He's a scholar who has been studying scripture and like is like, no, I don't think this is how the the Messiah is coming. I think he's coming, you know. Because everybody at that time was like, oh, he's going to come. He's going to save us from the Romans and all that. He's like, I don't think that's how it is. So you're getting these little hints of like the Christmas story in this like overarching like journey. Somehow he ends up in Bethlehem (laughs) and things he finds his family. But like it's this whole crazy adventure and it's just really cool. Um, I like it because they... They're instead of taking like Mary and Joseph and being like, this is the story from their perspective, it's a story from like a kid who, like, like your own self, like if you were a kid and you were going to be in that time and you were going to hear little things, you're probably not meeting Mary and Joseph, but like, I don't know, it kind of gives your kids a little bit of a little bit of an idea of what it's like. It would have been like to hear little snippets and been like, this is weird. What are we talking about? I have my life to live. <laughs> I really liked it. And I remember it, which is a big thing, you know. That is super interesting. So, what was the title of it again? It's called Jotham's Journey Jotham's by Journey. Arnold Etreid. I love that. I have, I've always loved the stories about like the non-characters in mm-hmm. in the gospel account uh i mean i'm mean, granted a lot of them are like invented but i don't know it's it's a yeah. cool it's a cool thing uh so yeah that, that sounds really cool and, and i love the way that it's like it seems like it's kind of textured and not just like the mm-hmm. happy rosy it's got a lot of a lot of like things happen it's not a boring like this we're following along like they eat they travel but Lots of lots of stuff happens. Jotham's journey. Mm-hmm. I another one I have not ever read myself, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look that one up. Mm-hmm. And check it out. So not directly related to holiday, but pretty close. Um, so again, same group of friends. Uh, specifically, it was me, uh, Ben, and Dan because it was uh, around the same time that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy came out in three years running. Oh, yeah. So and that always came out in the holidays, did it? Always came out right around holiday time. So it, we didn't do it for the first one. But I remember for the when the Two Towers came out, we were we really enjoyed the trilogy. We had all read the books multiple times. And we decided, hey, we should, we should be there before. And we want to be first in line to get in. And this was like before the age of midnight premieres. That wasn't really a thing yet. So I think the first showing of the day on launch day was probably like nine in the morning or something like that. And I remember me and Ben and Dan, we showed up at the theater at four in the morning. I remember dad dropped us off on his way to work <laughs> and we were there just the three of us freezing. Cause you know, it's the middle of December, nothing's open around us. And like about 20 minutes in, we're realizing this was a really dumb idea. What are we doing here? <laughs> But it still ended up being like a really fun thing because there were other people that had a similar mindset, just not as extreme as ours. So a couple hours later, you know, we're getting towards like five, six in the morning. A few other people start to show up and then eventually the line forms. And sure enough, we're right at the head of the line, right where we wanted to be. And 
again, just one of those silly, just a nice bonding moment between friends that we just decided we were going to you know, unite over this common purpose, as ridiculous as it was. And then I remember the following year for Return of the King, it was like a major thing. It was like, hey, let's try to do this again. But then so did everyone else. And it right. was like almost a little chaotic and messy, yeah. but it was just all the people together. So again, not exactly holiday, but you know, came out in December, pretty close to the Christmas time. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to say it just counts. Okay. I had a couple I was thinking of one of, one of my all time favorites. It's a short story by O. Henry uh, called the gift of the Magi. And it's set, um, I know in the forties, fifties, you know, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in America, uh, generic big city America, and it follows this um, the, the this poor couple, a man and a wife, who are married, happily married, and, and love each other very much, and they're very poor. And I guess their their two treasures are her hair. I guess it's full length, really luscious, beautiful, gorgeous, healthy, uh, you know, desirable hair. And I guess he has. Uh, a pocket watch, like a, a golden heirloom pocket watch that's really, really valuable that he's inherited from from family and everything, and uh, and those those are the two their two treasures, and she has been eyeing this set of really fancy like ha like hair accessories like like ivory or something whatever was really fancy in, in that age to 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 like adorn her hair because she has the hair for it but you know they can't afford it and. Uh, and I guess the, the pocket watch, it's been on this like little like, you know, string because he doesn't have a chain for it. Um, and so he's just like been like making do with a little bit of string in in, in the holiday spirit. Um, uh, she uh, I'm, I'm going to completely spoil the ending here. Um, <laughs> so but it, uh, it's OK. I spoiled the ending of the toy that saved Christmas. I suppose you did. OK, so spoiler, spoiler alert. Yes, we have our time. Yes, well, yes. So and I, I spoiled the Jotham's journey. He okay, finds okay. his family. <laughs> 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 Jesus is born. <laughs> okay, good. At least that's covered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't if you don't want the ending spoiled, pause this and go read it because it's a short story. <clears throat> it's easy. But anyway, but the, the 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 twist of it is that she she opts to cut and sell her hair to get the money to buy the chain for the the watch. And then she delivers the gift. It's so excited, so just overjoyed to have done this. And then uh, he reveals, "Oh, Stella, I sold the watch to buy you the combs." So, uh, so they did that, <laughs> and they realized they loved each other so so, so very much, mm -hmm. and all was well. And death to materialism, because that's not what Christmas is about. <laughs> so. Anyway, that's that's a, that that's a yeah a story my parents found like a really beautifully illustrated hardback book when I was a kid, and we'd read it like a time or two a season. And I don't know, I just that captures and I, I, that captures something really beautiful about the holiday spirit. And I love that one because there's no mention of Christianity in it at all, mm -hmm. and yet seems to very uh, deftly capture a lot of things that we as Christians would really value in in the holidays. So uh, clever, clever, clever metaphor is something about like self-sacrifice and, you know, you know, greater love is no one than he who sacrifices <laughs> and everything. So. So that's uh, that, that's one of my offerings there. Okay. 
this is my controversial statement. So I, I like a lot of old movies. Um, I, I, I have a hard time with It's a Wonderful Life because it's just so so true to so true to reality sad <laughs> mm -hmm. um i mean i know like the, the, the twist and the happy ending is, is kind of cool but i don't know it just i don't know which, which is weird because i generally really like a good like hero's quest struggle story but this one i think is just um mm -hmm. you know not not it, it defies expectations I, I go to holiday stuff expecting something a little bit more bubbly or at least you know guns and blood and this one's yeah. just like uh we're we're poor and in debt and and like, your business is stressful and we're like in a personal recession and i'm like um that that's not fiction <laughs> so. yeah. i can understand that yeah so yeah. anyway although there's there's a, there's a part of me that deeply resonates with the the ongoing struggle of george bailey to just you know, you know the the endless deferment for the mm -hmm. sake of some higher good you know family is definitely higher good but then it gets really hard to like see that and hold on to that and so one might consider bridges every now and then mm -hmm. so anyway that's my complex thought there has anyone mentioned uh a christmas carol by charles dickens no oh no we haven't oh my gosh how could we miss I mean, that one uh, right. so that's another important book i've read the book a few times and then also i'm a big fan of a lot of the movies including the muppets one, i was I think. thinking the muppet christmas carol yeah <laughs> um i probably i probably don't hit that every year but at least every other year um and just i guess what a beautiful story of like transformation and remembering um mm. that there's kind of just one of those good stories to hear about how how we can change I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that is a really, a really good, really well done classic. And yeah, it brings in the, yeah, these, these themes of like self-reflection, self-examination, remorse and repentance, and, and really highlighting the need for like community and relationships and like the power of relationships to heal people, which is, is really essential. Um, and the Muppet Christmas Carol is just absurdly silly and really delightfully fun in a lot of ways. But yeah, the the actual book. I think actually, I was. I'm glad you mentioned that because I had thought I thought earlier this year. I think my kids are old enough I could read it to them, and like Ruben at least will will begin to get it. Um, mm -hmm. But I suppose I should get on that uh, if I want to get it from the library because probably everybody will want it. Hopefully, everybody wants it. Hopefully, people still read books. Yeah, read a book. Read a also, book. Also, uh, the Muppets has Michael Caine in it, just in case anyone forgot. So you can practice your Michael Caine impressions. That is part of what makes it so good. I think that was the the last version that I watched was, and it was actually fairly recent. I think um, my wife and I were just browsing. Ever since we've uh, had our son, we've been watching a lot of Disney Plus, <laughs> good kid friendly stuff. And I think we came across Muppet Christmas Carol, and just like sometime like randomly in early summer, whatnot, we decided, hey, let's watch this. Why not? And it was actually a lot better than I remember it being like, like you say, just good, silly, fun, but still a good story. And again, Michael Caine, he's, he's amazing. It's Alfred. When I was, I was five and a half. So I think it was, I think it was 1989. I'm not sure, but I think so. I was five and a half and my sister was two and a half. And we we grew up in Oregon, and we were we weren't the most like financially well off um, family. We were a single income, and my dad was a public school teacher at a very small school district, like rural school district. So we were 
we were just making it by. Um, but my, my grandfather was retired and lived in Florida and loved us to come out. So every once in a while he would spring for tickets for us to come out. And so we got to go out um, to Florida for Christmas and um, Southern Oregon during uh, December is usually very depressing and sad and rainy. Um, but no snow. So it's like equally depressing as a kid. Um, so we got out to Florida and out of like a freak occurrence, it snowed in Florida that year. And so we were in this tropical environment with snow. So just an interesting tidbit. Um, whenever, whenever it freezes in Florida around orange season, they spray the oranges with water. So the water freezes around the oranges and preserves the fruit so the crop doesn't die. I had no idea. So there was all these cool, like, frozen orange globes um, everywhere, which was just fascinating. And the cool thing about Florida is there's oranges everywhere. So we would have, like, fresh squeezed orange juice every day, which I loved. But one day, uh, it was it was Christmas Eve is what it was. Um, we were... We got all ready for bed. We were at my grandfather's house and they had gotten one of like my great uncles dressed up as Santa Claus or like a family friend dressed up as Santa Claus that came over. And so they put us all to bed and, uh, and then all the parents, like they're the adults started freaking out and all of a sudden we're like, what's going on? And so they have this on video and, uh, this is why I remember it. So clearly we, we come out, um, and it's me and my two and a half year old sister and Santa Claus is there. And man, we lost our crap, dude. We were like, what is Santa Claus? No way. Um, and my sister's in the footy jammies and I can see her like doing the little kid like dance thing where you like shake back and forth and stomp your feet. Um, there's just all that excitement going on. And we're talking with Santa and he's pulling like presents out of his bag. And there's just a ton of excitement. All the adults are living it up out of nowhere. Uh, I was a very animal loving child, still a very animal loving um, person. We just got two puppies we're fostering. I can hear them barking downstairs. Um, I turned to Santa and said, can we see a reindeer? Uh, and it was like, <laughs> you, you know, when you like watch a commercial, they have like the, the record scratching goes like, and everything like stops and it goes silent. It's like completely silent. And it's probably, it's probably only like two seconds but it's two seconds of like adults looking around at each other and just, it, it really stands out that no one knew what to do. And finally everybody was like, just, Oh, well, um, uh, the reindeer aren't here. They're down the road. whatnot, like that. I, I ended up brushing it off, but, uh, later on that, uh, that the next day, um, we, we went walking down the street to look for reindeer hoof prints to see if we could see where they were at. So they were just trying to follow the event through. Um, and it, it just stood out to me as one of the most special kind of Christmases because I was so, they worked so hard to make it um, uh, this big event for us. And also just a child's curiosity kind of almost poked holes in it. That's super special. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man, it was fun. It was bless them for putting that together too. As a as a parent and an adult now, I'm like, whoa, man, it's a lot of arrangement and get things like set up and to almost have the reindeer kind of poke a hole in it. Yeah, you gotta um, love kids' curiosity, though. Yeah, um, I think for me, 
just going from like personal anecdote and memory, there were a couple, two, maybe three years in high school where um, I actually hosted a small Christmas get together with me and like my five best friends at the time. So it was me, um, my two good friends, uh, Ben Works and Dan Hawkins, and then um, Julie, who's now my wife, and then my two other really good friends, Missy and Aaron. So three guys, three girls. It was always just a really, really nice time. Uh, spent an evening, just lot. I would cook, I think like one year I made soup. Don't remember what I did the other years, but I would just, I'd provide food and drinks and we would watch movies, play games, had a little gift exchange. Always just like really stupid, silly gifts, you know, cause that's the kind of humor we liked. And it was just, the, it always stands out to me as being one of the best Christmas memories I have of just, um, you know, people always talk about holidays being a time to connect with family and for me as i've grown my definition of family actually has almost nothing to do with blood relation it's the people that you choose to have in your life and at that time in my life that was my family was that that group of the six of us because they were the ones that we mutually had chosen each other to um, be there for each other support each other you know laugh cry whatever like we were a family for that short season of time and it was, it was, that, that's probably my favorite holiday memory that I have is those, those couple of years getting together around Christmas time and just having just some good, silly, stupid fun, some good food. Um, yeah, that was, that was a real good time. I remember those times and yeah, they were, you really got into it and set up the whole, the whole table and the whole, the whole cooking thing. I was, I was very impressed that, that you cooked and yeah, that was a really tight, really tight group of people you have good people still good people still good people not as in contact as we used to be except for obviously my wife <laughs> well i'm but, glad you're in contact with her yeah that, that's a good thing but yeah. yeah it's uh good people still reach out every now and then um the the kind of people that you don't see for like 10 years and then you see them and it's like you've never spent any time apart and you're immediately catching up and just right back to where you were um so the, not horribly close anymore, but the type of people that I know that in a pinch I could rely on, you know, to at least go and just have some good fellowship with. Yeah, that is really special. I wonder, because um, um, I have a couple of people like that too where I don't see them very often, but then when we do, it's, it's really cool. And I guess now, since I introduced this holiday theme now, I'm wondering, what do you, what do you see as the role of holidays and feast days in these like longer term relationships? like? Like, does, like, do you find like you kind of need a holiday occasion to, to get together, like jumpstart something? Or does there exist the capacity to say, hey, we just are thinking about each other. Let's get together. I think that the capacity definitely exists. But I think just with the innate busyness of life that the holidays kind of help facilitate that because it gives a reason to do it. It brings it to the forefront of the mind that's like, oh, it's holiday time. We should, we should try to connect with these people. It's an excuse to have a get together or a party or whatnot. Um, like, yeah, I could call up someone at any given time, like just a random day in June or whatever, and be like, hey, you wanna go grab a drink? And sure, it would happen. But, you know, when you have job, um, family, kids, all that, it's it can be hard to make that a priority when you have so much going on, especially important stuff like your own immediate family. You know, it's like, I got a wife and kid. I'm always going to put them first. So making the time to reconnect with friends. I, I think the holidays make a, a, a more convenient scenario for that. They just, they give the excuse to want to connect with people. 
um, when you think, here's a holiday story that I can hear again and again, and it's always good, uh, what comes to mind? Well, what comes to mind is all of the holiday stories and Christmas stories from my upbringing. It's not so much like books or songs or, or shows. It's always just like my family growing up in a family with um, with seven brothers and sisters um, and just th the madness, the chaos is just so fun. So I have uh, every every holiday pretty much compo uh, is composed of having um, several hours of like nostalgic throwback um, reminiscence with my siblings. And I know that's, uh, not exactly what, what you're probably expecting, but anytime I think of Christmas stories, unless I'm thinking of like the original Christmas story, I'm usually thinking of like all of the, the crazy, um, holiday goodness of my upbringing. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say the original Christmas story counts as <laughs> worth mentioning. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I had the privilege of being familiar with your family <laughs> when we were all kids, which is really great. Um, yes. Uh, also, maybe next time you see your mom, thank her again for the van. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did she give you guys the 15 passenger van? Did she sell that to you? or No, no, she didn't sell it to me, but she gave me a key and said I could use it whenever I wanted. So, oh, that's like, what's <laughs> up. so, so good. Yeah. That yeah. Was awesome. Um, yeah, but so in a, in a larger family, what's, um, what's a particular, uh, fun, fun story for you in the holidays? Well, um, every single year we would have the elves come by. And so, um, I, I didn't know at the time, but it was people from the church who, uh, just knew the, um, constraints of, uh, you know, providing a wonderful Christmas for so many kids. And so, um, with my mom being a stay-at-home mom and my dad was uh, substitute teaching and back in school to get his teaching license at that time. Um, and then uh, th they ended up uh, divorcing in when I was in elementary school. And so just there was always people who would show up with these bags of gifts, um, but they would do it at random times on like Christmas Eve, bang on the doors, leave a pile of gifts. And we would always try to catch them. We began to like, you know, began like to be a holiday tradition to watch out for the elves and look for them as they would come. And they would always find a way to sneakily drop off gifts when we weren't expecting it. And uh, they'd always get away. And then it wasn't until later in life we found out who it really was. So that was that was pretty magical. Yeah. Those are so those are great, great stories. Uh, and I don't know, stories like that that kind of restore, you know, my hope in, my hope in humanity a little bit. That mm -hmm. there's they're some good, decent people. It was probably a Christmas three or four years ago for me. I remember as a kid, every Christmas feeling very special because we didn't have a lot, um, but my parents always sprung to make sure that we had gifts. They always, I was always a bike or one year my mom sewed a teepee um, for me out of this camouflage material so that I could play out in the outside with it well every single christmas my mom would um just like she would find a way like uh, beyond the elves coming through she would always just be um just going above and beyond her means to make sure it was like a special and wonderful time and there was this one christmas i don't remember exactly what happened i had saved up all my birthday money and then collaborated with my mom to make sure uh that i got this motorized scooter and I was in middle school, but it was like an electric, not electric. It was like a gas powered scooter and it was there on Christmas morning. And I was so excited. I ran to the gas station 
which was just across the street, filled up a gas can and came back into the kitchen where it was sitting on the hardwood floor and started pouring the gasoline into its tank without a funnel and just gasoline got all over the floor. My mom was furious. I was stressed out. And then my little brother, Pascal, randomly took like one of those 4th of July poppers that you pull the string to. Oh my goodness. And he fired it at my little sister's face and it, and it like, you know, stung her pretty good. And she's crying. And I yelled, way to go, Pascal. You ruined Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, and he just burst into tears because he's the youngest of my brothers. Uh-huh. And it was uh, probably just me projecting my own, um, you know, failures uh, with the gasoline onto him and trying to get the focus off of my own Christmas <laughs> catastrophe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a less special one. But... That's a great one. That that, that does sound highly <laughs> insensitive of you. However, I was waiting for the house to go up in flames. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, happened. True, um, but at the start, if I may, of uh, the Christmas book that I um, I wrote, my um, my mom when I was in like maybe first grade, I got a soloist part in a Christmas choir, and I totally forgot the words to it. I, I blanked on stage. Um, had no idea what we were singing and um and i was so embarrassed but afterwards i went up to my mom for comfort and she was wearing the you know those earrings that are made of like cheap metal that turns your ears green she was wearing the angel earrings the copper i think like copper metal like if you put it ring on it stains it green she was wearing these copper earrings i had gotten her um and um her ears were totally green but she was wearing them in support of me and it's just a memory that i like will always cherish and so i uh, i put a dedication to the christmas book i wrote um to her in there for always going above and beyond (laughs) that's super sweet i think something that always stood out to me was um i just read chronicles of narnia um, with my kids and uh, I love the story in there where it's uh, what always winter and never Christmas <laughs> for a hundred years under the white witch. Yeah, dude. It's it's C.S. Lewis. What does he say? He said uh, something about if it's not worth reading at 10, then it's not worth reading at 30 or something along those lines. Hmm. Um, or if it's not worth reading at 30, then it's not worth reading at 10 was his, his line. I believe when the, the, the three children are running with the beavers and they're running from the white witch and they're, they're under the overhang and they're they're They've just kind of escaped in the, um, I think they did it better in the movie actually than the book. I think they improved on it where the kids are running and the sleigh's coming and you think it's the white witch that's coming after them. Um, but it, it turns out that it's actually Santa Claus that's shown up in the book. They're just under the cliff and the beaver pops up and sees that it's Santa and the things that Santa brings, the gifts for each of the kids and the food, um, both of those things really stood out to me. And I think I really connect with that in story and enjoy that story because of the magic that Christmas can be when it's done really well. That story captures a lot of the magic. I love that you invoke uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and Father Christmas. And yes, that's a really poignant moment of of that whole epic and as you're talking about it i was thinking about yeah like the way that i mean there's this like eternal winter no christmas no holidays no joy and now the you know peter susan and lucy they're being given like 
practical things like weapons, but also really festival things like like food and yeah. a feast. And we kind of discover, hey, there is there is some utility to to being joyful. But I was thinking about uh, kind of the symbolic value of it, of of or just kind of yes. mirroring, uh, you know, the appearance of Father Christmas to like like the the original like the nativity, yes. uh, you know, the birth of Christ. It's this. Uh, you know, the, in the midst of this darkness, there's uncertain outcome, uncertain future. And in this really like quiet back background sort of way, there's just this little insertion of like, oh, yeah, here's a little joy. Here's a little life. Yeah. Here's a little bit of hope that later we become something. And yeah, there's kind of a way. Yeah. The the Father Christmas story in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, it, it kind of captures that in symbolic value. I think C.S. Lewis does so good at weaving myth into the Christian narrative and showing how all myth represents, all, all true myth that, that connects with uh, deeper human meaning is a shadow of the Christian narrative. And I think in my own life, there is hope of the future to come. But just like we were just talking, it's more winter, dude. Like spring hasn't come. There's joys here. There's two puppies downstairs. I got I got four kids. They got the flu at the moment, so we're taking care of them. Um, uh, my wife and I uh, generally um, have the resources covered. We have a, enough, and yet there's still suffering and death and so much pain in life. And it's more winter than it is that spring or summer. But there's gifts along the way to help you battle the evil. And at some point, I'm looking for Aslan's return. And I'm looking just for those pieces of it. Where's he coming? When's he showing up? And hoping for that eternal summer. Yeah. I got to figure any sort of item or experience that kindles hope is is really useful. And maybe even we could consider consider non-negotiable or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, ju not just fluff and fun, but uh, kind of a human imperative. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, believe it or not, there's there there's a there's a there's a church epic. Actually, uh, Saint Saint Nicholas, um, Bishop of Myra, uh, after whom you know Santa Claus is a kind of a <clears throat> corruption. <laughs> but so there's uh, a very famous story where you know he so he he was he was he was wealthy, and also also very very generous. And so uh, back in you know third fourth century, he became aware of this poor man with three daughters who are marriageable age. And he was too poor to give, give them a dowry. So he was concerned, oh, no, they're going to have to go into slavery or do, you know, unsavory work and everything. And so St. Nicholas, he is, uh, according to, to tradition in this story, uh, you know, he, was took, he took a bag of gold and like walked by the house and like threw it through the window in the middle of the night and then ran away. And then that was the dowry for the first daughter. And then wow. later did the same thing for the second. And by the time they came to the third, the, the third one, uh, the, the, the dad was... He was ready, and so after the bag of gold came like crashing through the window, he like ran out and found Saint Nicholas, and no Saint Nicholas made him promise, "Don't tell anybody the story until after I'm dead," and so he oh. did. Um, Dang. Yeah, but so it wasn't uh, even in their stockings, hanging by their fireplace. No, just like thrown through the window. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Dang. So, yeah, uh, relentless generosity. We could use a little bit more of that. And, For sure. Yes. I've, I've seen a couple new books come out about the original St. Nicholas story, and that made me really happy because there's so much just Santa Claus stuff out there that is, uh, yeah, it's not nearly as like wonderful as hearing about an actual human being, not who goes climbing through people's chimneys, but who throws bags of gold through people's <laughs> chimneys. It's so much better of a story. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I find it pretty pretty compelling. And I think mm -hmm. I'd like to be like that. Just be relentlessly, rigorously, secretively generous. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Well, I guess technically we won't see because I'll be doing it in secret. <laughs> but yeah, your left hand won't even know what your right hand's doing. Tell me a little bit about the book that you wrote. Uh, yeah, so um, our last our last interview had to do with uh, the Pilgrim's Progress book, which I put into rhyme for kids just to make it more accessible, uh, taking the old archaic language of John Bunyan and just making yeah, simplifying it. And um, the uh, the publisher there at Harvest House really liked that and that that take on taking an uh, old classic story and uh, bringing it uh, to a kid friendly level. And so they asked me to do the same for uh the the christmas story so um i yeah i was just like blown away that, that they asked me to do such a thing and i'd always wanted to do something like that with uh with something in the bible but felt very you know uh like out of my league and so um i i said maybe and, and then i said give me like a few weeks to see if i can chicken scratch even what that might look like and um it just it just came together really good which was uh it came together quick and cohesive and it made me realize that i'm not really a writer i'm a rewriter it's actually way easier for me to take something that's existing and put it into yeah just in, into a poetic meter that flows really well for kids so that's what i got to do for the uh the good news of christmas it's uh illustrated by cyan james who's an artist that they picked out and it just turned out really i mean I was bawling my eyes out when they first sent me like the PDF version. And I'm looking at it just like, oh, I can't believe it. It's so beautiful. Thank <laughs> you for this privilege, God, of being part of that. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, since it's here, um, you want to read a snippet? or Because no. what? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Give us a sense of your, your syntax and rhyme okay. and rhythm. Yeah. Um, all right, I've got to give a shout out to my mom in the dedication real quick. Um, I wrote, to my overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated mother who made each Christmas unforgettable in one way or another for embracing and enduring the chaos of seven kids, for the innumerable thank yous which we daily failed to give, for never canceling Christmas, though you threatened to do so each year, and for the copper angel earrings in your green and swollen ears. In the midst of each chaotic Christmas, may this book bring you a pause of peace. Take rest and rejoice in Jesus, God's gift too wonderful for words. Your beloved boy, Zoe, which is my childhood nickname. So that's my shout out to Mama Bear. I wanted to uh, make sure that it didn't just jump into the Christmas story, which is what most Christmas stories do. I wanted to connect it to the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of redemption. So I wrote, um, I wish to tell my readers now, before this tale begins... That unlike every other book, this story has no end. If truth be told, this book you hold is just the middle chapter in God's plan, which spans from before time began to the infinite ever after. It's the story of God's glory at the heart of human history, in which God revealed who he is and uncovered the mystery. So as you hear it, may God's spirit stir inside your heart and bring you into his kingdom too. Now it's time for our story to start. So we got, you know... The unfolding story of redemption uh, depicted there and saying this is just the middle chapter there's a story that came before and a story that comes out of it and then I wrote in ancient days a promise came to Israel of old whose prophets wrote of a coming hope and of a king foretold from Abraham's line this king would rise to bless the broken nations 
and great King David's greater son would rule all of creation. So got the scroll of the ancient prophets and they're sitting there reading, uh, you know, and proclaiming that the, the Messiah is coming soon. And then I really like this. This is one of my just I'll give one last page. But God, who often seems to us to move so awfully slow, had planned to send Messiah soon. But little did they know that he, their long-awaited king, who was about to come, was actually God's one and only blessed, beloved son. So it just goes on to say how, you know, they, they had planned and hoped for this Messiah, but no one could have guessed uh, who it would really be, who would come to be their rescuer. So I like that. Thanks for sharing, Russo. That's really yeah, beautiful. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great rhyme. Uh, and um, what I could peek about, uh, what I could see of the, the illustrations, they, they are really, really beautiful. They just look really vibrant, really colorful. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, you got great source material too. So, you know. True. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Matthew, Luke, and John. <laughs> right. Yes. Mark, you didn't help much at all. Right. Yeah. Shout out to the Virgin Mary. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, just speaking of the Virgin Mary, if I may, because this is uh, for me as a Protestant growing up, I, you know, there was always this, um, this, this thing with Mary and, and this revisiting the Christmas story, like really helped me to deepen my appreciation and, uh, and just love for Mary. Um, because, you know, as a Protestant, we're always taught, you know, like, Hey, don't like, don't reverence her, don't worship her, you don't need to pray to her. Um, and, and I still hold those convictions. Uh, but um, it, it always felt like I was like, like trying to like make sure I like separate myself and not have like, uh, you know, any uh, respect, like, like, it was like this kind of like guarded relationship. Um, and uh, just the, the illustrations that came out in this book, um, it just has Mary uh, just sitting there planning her wedding celebrations. And she's got all of her uh, flowers picked and all her plans swirling through her brain and the angel shows up and just shatters like all of her dreams and all of her plans uh, you know breaks all of her expectations for what life is going to be um, but this uh, but this page like is what is the best page in my opinion it says uh, behold responded Mary I am the servant of the Lord let everything be done to me according to your word then as the angel left her home, her world was rearranged and prayerfully she pondered how her whole life would be changed. And just seeing that like displayed like in a human character who had plans and hopes and expectations and aspirations for what her life would be and um, responding to the news that shattered all of those um, just made me like have this like, whoa, she was like a person. She was like a real saint, like in the true sense of the word, like I want to like learn all I can um, from that example. And I think, you know, again, still like as a Protestant, I'd be like, I think Jesus is the ultimate example of that, right? The garden of Gethsemane, but like he, he learned that and saw those virtues even in his mother. And, you know, so I, I just really, uh, figured that was worth throwing out there for whatever it's worth. <laughs> what do you, what's your hot take on it? Cause I mean, there, I'd love to hear just your, yeah, your thoughts. Um, on it. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a theologian, so check with your priest, but, uh, yeah, there's there there's a specialness to to, to Mary. You know, we our, our title for her is the the Theosokos, the the God Bearer, and there was a lot of theological debate uh, on um, 
and that, that that was a really key uh, theological point in like the, the early church councils was you know she she bore God in the flesh you know not just not just Christ but like the fullness of God and because of her our humanity can be assumed into the Lord Jesus and what is assumed can also be saved uh, so so there's this really really vital vital role that she played um, speaking of images one of my favorite uh, icons is. Uh, it's depicting um, Moses and the burning bush, and in the midst of the flame is the, the Theotokos, um, because we see the the burning bush as a foreshadowing uh, of the Virgin Mary. In that, you know, just as the bush was um, consumed, was was burning with the flame of God, but not consumed, so too she bore in her womb that you know she she contained the uncontainable and was not destroyed, and uh, that. That sort of symmetry, uh, I, I, re I really love. Uh, so, and there's contains uh, the uncontainable, and was not. That, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah there there there's a there's a specialness, and I and I have loved to um, become acquainted with her in a way, and to become more acquainted more uh, with her, with her story, and to uh, appreciate. Uh, all that she does and has done for 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 us as as a people for 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 me as a person, and um, yes, and a you know you know being Orthodox we do we do seek her intercessions and we believe that you know she she is the queen sitting at the right hand of the Lord Jesus you know not God but um, <laughs> but she has his ear <laughs> and so uh, we we do uh, we do we do seek her aid um, but yes she's she's very special. And there's some really cool images around that. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for oh, sharing cool. some stories and some memories and for uh, sharing about your book, which uh, and to, to complete the pitch, uh, if somebody wanted to uh, pick up your book somewhere, um, where can they find it? They can find it here at my house. Come on over. My address is a, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you can find it on, uh, on Amazon or pretty much any like online bookseller. Uh, my cousin just sent me a, a photograph from his local bookstore over in Idaho. He's like, hey, your book's here. And I was like, whoa, it's in actual stores as well as online. So that was really cool. You may be able to find it at a local, you know, uh, bookstore. Um, but definitely, you know, Amazon or um, uh, it's Harvest Houses who published it. So you could go to Harvest Houses uh, and then ChristianBooks.com. ChristianBook.com uh, usually sells it at a discounted price. So uh, if you do pick it up, uh, an Amazon review is probably the best and most helpful way to continue helping my uh, journey as an author. So just throwing that out there. It's true. I affirm the the five star reviews. They are worth their weight in gold, and mm -hmm. alas, they have no weight because they're digital. But okay, that metaphor failed. <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. Well, everybody, go go check out that, uh, and uh, consider that as a gift for your kids, mm -hmm. and or to adorn your coffee table or something, because all of our coffee tables need more adornments because there's not enough stuff on them. Very sure. <laughs> so good. Nice. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come oh, on and, and reminisce about my Christmas childhood upbringing and uh, and talk a little bit about this new book. Of course. Anytime. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you. And to you as well. Thank you for being with me on this episode of the Word and Journey podcast, talking about uh, holiday uh, nativity themed stories that and some Christmas 
theme stories that we have loved and appreciated and that have been just part of our lives and part of our traditions and maybe now per our recommendation might become part of yours uh, uh and i hope you enjoyed this time with us very much we got to hear from some some classic um more lighthearted uh, kid stories. We've got to hear some some personal stories uh, about the generosity of parents, especially the the diligence, the hardworking spirit of uh, mothers. We've got to touch on uh, lives of the saints of Saint Nicholas and consider uh, Christ metaphors in classic literature and ultimately uh, a, an interpretation of, of the gospel itself and uh, a, a widespread of how we experience nativity and how we experience the stories and how the stories have shaped us. So uh, thank, again, thank you again for being here with us. And if this kind of conversation on this kind of reflection on books and movies and literature uh, is meaningful, beneficial, beneficial to you, then please consider uh, supporting this work. You can visit patreon.com slash Moses to subscribe, become a patron, a partner, you can follow Lo, uh, Moses Burnaby on Instagram. You can look the, the word in journey on YouTube. And otherwise, just reach out to, to follow and be part of our community. Uh, I'd love to have you along for the journey as we talk about our words and uh, share some stories. Thank you for being here with us. And blessed nativity to you and peace be with you all.